you know, we put people together inside of our community among like seven, eight-figure sellers. So then people see what is possible. And I think that expands the thinking. So environment has a crucial role in kind of like how successful uh, the person can become. If your environment is not necessarily productive, you have to change your environment. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Alex Fedotov has the distinction of being the first person I saw through a YouTube paid ad before he joined us on the show. It's a small example of my unique experience being on both ends. In our discussion, we dig into some key lessons important to learn if you plan on scaling into the seven and eight figure range. He puts it best, but I'll say it here. Your product is your brand. Alex Fedotov, it is good to have you here in Ecomotics. Uh, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? Good, good. Thank you so much for, for hosting me, John. You're welcome so much. It's great to have you here. And uh, this is an Ecomonics first. So to my audience, just so they understand what, what usually happens is, you know, I, I get some time to look into my guests. So I have some information going in. And over the last year, I've accumulated a lot of subscriptions, all people in the e-commerce space. We've got the Amazon people, the Google people, um, some programmers and stuff like that. So my algorithm is razor focused on like other e-com ads. And that's where I first saw you. You were running uh, an e-commerce ad as well. And and I actually took your name down. I'm like, oh, Alex Fiedertov, we got to get this guy in the program. And I don't know if we <laughs> that's actually how we ended up having you or if it was a coincidence. But either way, it's, it, it's great to have you. And I did want to ask you about that. Just not yet. First, I have an opening question for you, which is to tell us what do you do and what are you up to these days? So yeah, um, our business, uh, we, we pretty much run like business of like kind of like has two main divisions. One is uh, e-commerce business. So we operate uh, several brands, um, operating uh, like most of the dropshipping models. So we dropship in China, but we with good experience, uh, with good shipping times, uh, our customers are happy. Uh, so that's one line of our business, uh, bigger one. And the smaller one is our uh, consulting business. So we have like a community, like a mastermind of people who pretty much like, learn from each other and um, kind of like, help everyone grow. So that's our business. And so with the, with the drop shipping, um, are these products that you're currently working on uh, for yourself or is it also uh, you working with clients and helping them uh, drop ship their products? So these are all our own projects. Um, what we also do these days is, uh, for example, we, we might work with a client and then if, if their business is doing well, let's say their business is doing like seven figures. And my expertise and what I'm, what I'm doing, like that's kind of like my core expertise probably, is taking businesses that are like at seven figure range taking them to eight-figure level. Um, and so that's what our team is good at. So with some of these businesses, we partner up. We help them to go from like seven to eight figures. And then we help them to successfully exit that business and everyone wins. The other day, I was, uh, I was explaining to my, my partner just, the, just to quantify the difference between, say, being like a five-figure or a six-figure, six-figure to seven-figure. And, you, you know, you think like, you know, the, the minimum to be six figure, you know, like a hundred thousand, and you could have ten of those versus one person who is the minimum for seven figure, and then the same thing happens a seven figure to eight figure. 
in your experience, what would you say has been, what would you say is the most, I guess, substantive, uh, maybe the most shocking, really the most difficult to, um, to really fully get a grip on the difference between going from six figure to seven figure, seven figure to eight figure, eight figure to nine figure, if that's come up. So, uh, basically what kind of like the main like difference makers in those types of situations. Why, for example, I like, some- I, 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 I'd like to hear, well, if you can share a perspective of the people you've worked with, I'd love to hear that too. Your own perspective. I'd like to hear that. And, you know, even the mindset of just what is the, the qualifying difference between the person who makes it from that, from five to six, six to seven, seven, eight. That's a very good question because yeah, at the end of the day, like businesses are us, right? Like, and, and, you know, the, the quality of business typically depends on quality of the person uh, that runs that business. And um, for sure, like, I mean, that has a big impact. What I have noticed um, about like our most successful, because we have, for example, some of our clients, some of our students, they're doing like eight figures in sales, um, like $1.5, $2 million per month in sales. So pretty like, I mean, decent businesses and well-organized. Um, so for those type of people, what I have noticed is that they are very like hungry for knowledge and also like, but you can be hungry for knowledge and you can, for example, watch the podcast. Like you have tremendous guests on your podcast, right? but the difference between people that are successful, people that are not necessarily that successful is the actual execution. So you might learn some like principles from the podcast. And like taking that idea and actually implementing it, that actually would get to the results, right? Because everyone has access to the information. And what I have noticed, and that's particularly uh, what's been like big difference maker, like in our community, is that, um, you know, like people, we, we put, you know, we put people together in, inside of our community among like seven, eight figure sellers. So then people see what is possible. And I think that expands the thinking. So environment has like crucial role in kind of like how successful uh, the person can become. Uh, so that's kind of like, I think another factor that people have to take into consideration. So if your environment is not necessarily productive, you have to change your environment. If you, if you need to relocate, you need to relocate. For example, I'm from Ukraine and I had to relocate like last few years, I've relocated several countries. Now we're in, in Miami, Florida, in the United States. Um, and kind of like constantly relocating because you're looking for a better environment, better people to surround yourself with because that will, will predicate your growth. You will see those people. Now you're inspired. Now you like you see some ideas. You actually believe that it is possible because you have seen people that might be younger than you but hunger than you and actually executing those ideas, getting them done and, and achieving great success. So I think that um, these are like big factors uh, in, in, in the success of. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, uh, I, I've talked to a number of people so far who, yeah, they're, you know, they just got into their twenties, 21, 22 and, and they own their own homes. I, I, I recognize that, you know, any, any podcast can only go so far. Uh, especially you, you only have an hour. And that's also why, you know, with my line of questioning, I, 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 get, I ask big questions, I ask small questions, but I find the more granular they are, the better off a person is just like going onto your YouTube and, and, and 
getting the most up-to-date videos um, because things can change pretty rapidly, as I'm sure you're aware of, you know, doing Facebook advertising and seeing just uh, how many things can uh, change drastically on a, on a regular basis. Now, I actually wanted to ask you about Miami. I was, I was planning on asking you about this later, but you brought it up. So my, my girlfriend and I, we, we've actually talked about moving to the States because um, we're, not too happy, we're not too pleased with how things are going in Canada right now. And uh, and Miami, Florida is like one of the main contenders because it is a well, it's a coastal city. So being in Toronto, we're kind of used to that. Uh, but it's also densely populated, so there's going to be buses and stuff like that. But like, what was it about Miami that drew you to to there? Of all the places, you have the luxury of going to. For sure. So um, I mean, so I'm from Ukraine, and it's, it's it is like extremely challenging to just like get a visa, you know, to like United States, for example. So it like took me like five years. So the obstacles that people, for example, you know, live in developed countries, they wouldn't even know about those obstacles. Um, but I think that's, you know, that's good that I had to overcome them. Um, in Miami, like generally, I think it just the, uh, I mean, the climate, we lived in Europe and it was pretty like gloomy. So we didn't want to see that. Um, also, the, um, I knew some very good entrepreneurs that lived here, so I assume that if they chose, if they have chosen this place to live, then it's probably a good place to live. And it was the right assumption because like now we have tremendous like influx of very good people, entrepreneurs, or even from other states in, in the United States because it's open, everything's open, like restaurants and everything, and um, it's just a good place to be. And um, but it's generally kind of like the the mindset that I would have is what is a better environment? So for example, if tomorrow something changes and like, I don't know, Colorado becomes a better place where we see there like the opportunity, the environment to grow our business, attract amazing talent, then we would just relocate there. So we're not gonna be like all of the other things we just got because that's only what matters. Like if you wanna succeed in life, you have to make some sacrifices, you have to make some choices. Um, and I think that is, um, yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why we moved here. One more question I wanted to touch on this, and then I want to go back to that YouTube ad that I uh, chambered earlier, is because I know you're also um, you know you're also uh, a father too. So you know you have to factor in how this uh, how this impacts your family on, on top of all this other stuff. For for anybody who may end up in this situation down the line, if not already, how would how did that uh, come into the equation? For sure. So. Um... Yeah, with with our kid, we ch we changed several countries. Um, when when our when our kid was was born, like we we changed few countries already, uh, even before coming here. So he had exposure like to different environments, and um, so when we came here, like my 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 line of thinking is, as an entrepreneur, I think you have to prioritize the business. Um, I mean, kind of like prioritize. At least give yourself like eight. 10 hours of like focused work a day because that what will allow you to kind of like produce for your family and the rest like so you produce and then you can afford like different things like you can afford a nanny you can afford a good schools for the kids um and we have organized life in a way where it's like um we wake up in the morning we take kid to the uh, to the school then he uh after that nanny picks him up so we have like a proper like nine ten hours of, of work that we can get done a day um and then obviously like weekends we try to spend with a, with a kid but we have organized our life in a way where it's like um we can spend uh, time with, with the kid uh focus time in the morning in the evening but also we can get some work done um and also organizing the whole life in a way it's like if you can work from home that's awesome 
Um, we couldn't because it was too noisy. And um, so we, we have an office, which is very close to where we live. So office like 10 minutes walk. Um, then the kindergarten is also 10 minutes walk. So everything is close by, everything is walking distance. We don't even need a car. We don't need to commute, which saves a lot of time. And I think those type of things, organizing, optimizing everything in your environment so you can actually get stuff done. I think that is hyper, hyper important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's really one of the most attractive things about being in uh, uh, being in a densely populated urban setting. Everything being within walking distance, and and, and there was there were stigmas to that. Um, I mean, not that very much positive came out of the, the the pandemic, but I think one positive that came out of it for sure is the respect for a remote lifestyle and for. Um, uh, being being in a situation where everything is a lot more closer and a lot more convenient it costs a little bit more money, but you know, so does having a car. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So here is the so here's my question about the the ad. Like I said to before, my YouTube algorithm is uh, highly focused, and so naturally uh, I I was targeted for it. But the the thing that I that struck me as um not 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 confusing or anything, but certainly a curious uh, question is that you know those ads they. They, they will reach out to people, I think, in the more entry-level position. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that... I mean, it's possible that it reaches to people who are in the six-figure range, seven-figure range. They use YouTube too. But I would say that for the large part, it's a lot of entry-level people. So tell us about the, this ad that you were running, like what you were you know, expecting out of it, maybe some of the results you did get out of it, and you know, what was your mission that you're trying to accomplish with it? For sure. So our consulting business, um, I mean... Overall, like our goal was in like five years to own like a private equity firm and acquire, uh, consolidate and aggregate e-commerce companies. So what we're doing now is pretty much we're building the foundation for it. So all of the people in our community, so mostly they're job shippers, but it's just a matter of time when uh, all these people just evolve into brands. So we are evolving into brands, they're evolving into brands. So we'll be consolidating and buying these brands for our clients. We'll be helping them to grow with our training platform. Um, and then uh, once, you know, there are certain level, we'll be acquiring there, we'll be partnering up with them and then we'll be helping them to, you know, leading them to the exit. So um, the platform kind of like the funnel that, that our ads um, are using is pretty much getting people into uh, our ecosystem, right? We don't need like people that are uh, just like starting out. I mean, it's not that we don't need them, but we, we cannot help them as much as we can help, for example, six, seven figure entrepreneurs. We definitely have some of the people who are just starting out, um, but then we have the qualifying question. So when people, for example, apply for a phone call, we'd have the qualifying question. If we cannot help them, unfortunately we'd have to say no. And we would recommend certain like products and cer- certain like services that they could use to get their business to a certain level. And after that, we can collaborate and we can help them to grow to the next level. So, um, yeah, our market is like seven, six, seven figure um, entrepreneurs, e-commerce entrepreneurs. Uh, this is just kind of like based on the data that we have, kind of like the, the result that we have been able to uh, our clients to achieve, uh, to help our clients achieve. And so that's the market that we are focusing on. And then in regards to dropshipping, um, I, I, it's, it's encouraging to hear uh, how important of a component it is to, to your business. We've got on this show, we've gotten every opinion possible on dropshipping. We've said some people don't, don't go into the States, it's saturated, uh, sell to these countries. We've had some people say, don't sell that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, we've had, we'd have, we've had everything. So I, I want to get your, your take on, 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 on dropshipping and, 
you know, as as people are coming to uh, into your ecosystem, as you say, they're in the six figure range. Is there any trends or patterns you're noticing? Like certain niches right now are, are working exceedingly well. Um, the brand that they're associating with it, along those lines. For sure. So um, what we're seeing is that generally, uh, you know, in terms of the saturation, I think it just um, like every market. Like if you have like a, if there is a market with a low barrier of entry, it's a matter of time that a lot of people will get into it. It just it's just natural, and. Um, so it's just happening and we are okay with that. Like with the clients that we have, a lot of them are now, like we, we get a lot, like more and more clients that actually run like brands and they run brands, but like, for example, having like job shipping store versus like a brand, you could have a brand, which is like, could, could have like a very good customer experience, but at the same time, it might be um, struggling to generate sales. You might have like a dropshipping business that is very successful. So I think the success of the business at the end of the day is predicated how successful it is in terms of the sales. Um, and they're definitely, like, I wouldn't say that dropshipping is saturated as is. It is getting more challenging because Facebook is um, kind of like, you know, dropshippers finding all of these ways. And in our business, we have developed systems with add accounts with pages with profiles so we can advertise continuously uh, even if something gets banned we have multiple sources of the agency accounts which uh, which are not getting banned as easily and so we have all of these resources that help us to kind of like maintain the volume that we want to have but at the same time it is yeah we see that kind of like trend where it's like it's just getting more and more difficult and in terms of the enterprise value of the company that we're building um, if there is a dropshipping element, we, we are losing on that. We are losing on that, right? Like we, if we would have, for example, fully unique products, uh, shipping from United States, fast shipping, um, we, we have still a decent shipping, but not as, as good as it can be. So in that respect, we are losing probably like some enterprise value if you want to add the brand, uh, you know, the, the, our portfolio of companies at this particular moment. So it's kind of like, I think dropshipping is a, is amazing training ground because you don't have to like, for example, like just start with like buy inventory for a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And then, and then just hope that like that inventory will sell. So I think dropshipping as a business model is, is great for validating different ideas, but what's important is that to evolve. So one of the priorities right now in our business is to uh, products that we sell to uh, improve these products make them more defensible, trademark patents, um, and basically turn them into brands. So pretty much that kind of like transition to make it more smooth. So we don't have to kind of like guess what's selling. We already know what's, what's selling. It just like turn those ideas into actually something that has bigger market value. As you might imagine, you know, having done this show for about a year now, I um, set up my own my own my own store. I got my own brand going. I haven't sold anything yet. Not uh, I, don't, I don't go that quickly, unfortunately. But for me, the the catalyst that really started to excite me about what this is capable of it wasn't the product, which I'm in the midst of of uh, doing my own like crash testing right now, just making sure this thing doesn't crash. Um, but it was the brand that got me more excited about it because let's just say this product doesn't work. Very possible people move on to the next product, but 
the brand is something that I think is more uh, has more inherent value. If you uh, have a strong affiliate system, um, a strong blog, a customer service, start to build up a community around it, it I think it elevates the the product um, in a way where if somebody is just depending on the dropshipping product right off the bat, then that to me that comes across as more of a gamble. So let me frame this in a way that I think is a uh, is a question: Is have you seen? Um, at, at your point, have you seen that it's the strength of the brand that has been carrying the product more or the strength of the product is carrying the brand? Is there is it is a balance between these two or is it leaning more into one or the other? I think till, till some point, your product is your brand, right? Like yeah. the experience that you deliver is your brand. Like, I mean, Apple, for example, they can they can make cars, they can make uh, like, I don't know, sunglasses. Uh, that they can make, um, I don't know, the tripods uh, for the, uh, you know, for the phone, and probably everything will sell to some capacity because there's a lot of value, a lot of like perception that's already established. For a company that's like brand new that doesn't have that awareness, that doesn't have endorsements. I mean, it's a lot about. I mean, you can modify that perception, you can create that perception, um, but at the end of the day, like if for example, your marketing is amazing. Like your, your website is like sleek and like well-designed. It's very like minimalistic and it looks amazing. People enjoy buying the conversion rates are high. So everything good on the marketing side, everything comes to the point where people actually see the package. First of all, how much time they're waiting for the package and um, whether they're happy with what's inside, whether they're happy with the quality of the product, whether they're happy with the packaging, how it's wrapped, whether it wasn't damaged, uh, whether it's like usable, all of the features, all the bands, whether that matches with your marketing. So if that expectation is matching, then you have something that's, that's valuable. But um, otherwise, um, so I think a lot of people perceive brands on this kind of like side of marketing. Um, it's kind of like, okay, it's a nice logo, it's a nice website. But the brand in my perception is the experience at the end of the day. Right, so you might have tremendous experience, but then quality of products is not uh, very good. Then how is it better than dropshipping? So that's that's my view on that. And uh, I think at the end of the day, yeah, it will come down to the experience that customers have. Because what's important about building um, building brands is like one of the most important things. Like so, we when we evaluate businesses that we want to invest in, um, it's the repeat purchase ratio. So if, if customers don't buy like more than one time, like something is off, I guess. Maybe, maybe it could be due to the uh, email sequences and automation sequences and SMS sequences and kind of like you being offered, like you having an all-in-one product on the website so people simply don't have the capacity to buy more than one. But if you have all of that and people still don't buy, right, then that's experience problem and that needs to be addressed. And so when you're bringing um, businesses into the ecosystem, um, are they typically sticking to the product that they've uh, come into it with? Or is it possible that in order for them to scale up, people are um, uh, switching gears, uh, going into different product lines? They definitely need more than one product, uh, for sure. Like at least like, so if you have like one main product and you see that it's promising, you definitely need like a few more products just to have as upsells and cross sales to kind of like maximize that average of the value, be more profitable, being more profitable with each transaction. If you think about um, any like any company, like 
they would start like so there is a company called Manscaped. If you're familiar, Manscaped. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar. It's catering specifically to men. I have the product. It's amazing product. And so it's, it's the same model. So they started with this one kind of like core product. They added these like different gels and different kind of like creams and stuff. So it makes like a bundle. And now if you will go to their website, they have like so like, like many different categories now. So they are expanding from there, but that core product still maintains the same. This is what they're mostly pushing. That's what gets people into ecosystem. And all of these other products are maximizing the lifetime value of customers on, on the back end and keeping them in that ecosystem. Well, I think Manscaped is a, is a great example to bring up. And I just pulled up the website real quick just to see like what's the first impression that I get. And yeah, and the Razor is still their 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 front runner. But very quickly, you also see some of the what they call Reviver and uh, Reserver. Um, okay, well, I'm not saying that word out loud, but then there's also a, a deodorant here too. That is a difference if you think about it. Like, like they have these uh, like, like few, like I, I bought the version 3.0. Now it's 4.0. And probably a few months or like in a year from now, they'll have like 5.0, which means they're constantly evolving with their product. Probably they're getting feedback from customers. I think that is a difference between brand and um, possibly dropshipping. So dropshipping, pretty much you're dropshipping something that already exists. These guys have actually researched, like, uh, you know, invested in research and development, creating a better version of the product, making customers more happy. Now, even people that probably, that probably also helps with, Repeat purchases because let's say you bought like 3.0 version, maybe you'll decide to buy 4.0 version of the product or you want to buy it for a friend because you had a great experience. So it's like the same with Apple, right? So I have this phone here and it's like every year they sell a new version of it. Like every year, like September, like what is a new version? Everyone buys. New version, everyone buys. So keeping people in that ecosystem and then supplying them with multiple products you don't want to get like too distracted, like launching new products all the time, because at the end of the day, your core product is your core product, but you definitely need supplementary products to supplementary products to maximize the lifetime value of each customer. And what I think is also uh, important too uh, is that when that when a brand such as Manscaped gets to the point where it has uh, that many products uh, available to it, you know they they've gone past just trying to sell somebody on the razor. They've really tried to cultivate, I think, a more comprehensive consumer avatar where now they're saying well this you know it's not just about shaving it's also about your skincare it's about your health routine it's about your your overall well-being and i think that's this this is me like learning by the way i, I i've made the mistake in the past of different projects where i came across like i knew everything i i don't but what i'm what i'm getting here is that they have in order for them to really scale to the next level it's not just expanding on the product, um, having these other products. It's a continued extension of their mission and of you know the the mentality that they want to impart on people. I go to the website and and I don't and I think just about the razor, but then I'm thinking about all this other stuff too. And even I'm not buying any of it, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, you know what? I see what they're doing. They're introducing the new problems to me. They're telling me you know these are other things that you might not have thought about. Something that can go wrong with your skin, can go wrong with your well being. Something that can uh, affect you when you come out of the shower. It's all new things to think about, which ties into the next products that they're selling. One hundred percent, exactly. So um, I think they're maxed. I mean, they're probably maxed out at was that particular. Maybe not maxed out, but like probably like because that's kind of like the key. Like they pioneered. I mean, they didn't pioneer, but like they pretty much dominated that niche. That niche kind of like they just like overtook it. And um, 
like now they probably kind of like they they might have seen kind of like decline or maybe like blowing their sales with the main products. So they say, okay, like let's introduce these like other categories. Maybe we'll kind of like get into all of those and keep like keep dominating like different subcategories and keep expanding the brand. Okay, so the next uh, I wanted to ask you about this. I wasn't. Um, this one wasn't on my uh, on my list, but you, you know, you mentioned um, the part of the exiting process, and I don't get to ask too many people about the exit. In fact, I think I've only talked to one person so far about exit. So, very broad strokes. What is it um, that a business is doing to be re- actually no more than one person? I talked to a, a brokerage. So, what is it that a business is doing to get itself ready for exit? Um, and are the are there certain things that a business wants to do from the very beginning, from day one, that they want to keep in mind if exiting is their end goal, which it often is. Amazing question. Thank you. I worked hard on it. So amazing question. And actually like today um, I have received a message from one of my brokers. So um, I have brokers and, you know, so clients join our, like our training platform, our mastermind, and we help them to grow, you know, like clients, we help them with specific areas of their business, whether that's like advertising, whether that's like email marketing, whether that to refer them like to different resources. We kind of like fill these gaps that they have in their business. And I have this like amazing client. Um, his name is Wyland. He's he's like 20, 20, 21 years old. Very young kid. And uh, it makes me cry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, he's he has grown like he has grown like very successful business selling a particular product. Uh, he's been growing the business from like 19, um, 2019, which is like two years now. And um, first year he's done like, I guess like he's done like $2 million in sales, which is pretty, pretty decent. And the second year he has done like last year, he's done like over $4 million in sales. And he had generated like $1.2 million in profit. So, like he reaches out to me and I might be thinking about selling the business. Okay, sure. I connected him with my resources. And so I connect him with my resources. One of my, one of my brokers, like kind of guided him through that process, which I'll explain in a second what that was. And he sent me, yeah, today we have listed the business. The business is like four or $4.5 million. For a young kid. I mean, I think that that's pretty nice. Like exit, if they'll be able to pull it through, like that's, Pretty good, um, you know, pretty good starting point. Um, four, four million dollars. That is drop shipping. So just to give you context, this is drop shipping business, right? If you go to AliExpress, you would be able to source exactly the same product. So that's for the context. Now, so what what made that business actually successful and sellable was like two factors. Like so, first of all, people actually happy with the product. Even though it's dropship, even though it's coming from China, even though it's like 10, 14 days, people have to wait for a product. People are happy with the product. You, see, you, go, to, you go to his apps, people are happy. Hey, I'm so happy with this product. Help me to, to do this, this, and this. I'm so happy. People naturally post this. And I think that is like probably number one thing. Because if you kind of like, these are people and you're trying to push that, like those products, like, you know, down their like throats, it's it's not it's not good. You know, it's not good experience. And it's you know, if seller is if buyer is sophisticated, they'll quickly figure that out. If brokers are sophisticated, I mean, they wouldn't even like want 
kind of like being like, you know, aligned with a business or being participate, like participating in self in selling that business. So um, that is number one, just the customer satisfaction. Second, repeat purchase ratio. So customer satisfaction, uh, the product itself is consumable. So you use it for some time, then you need another one. So second, repeat purchase ratio. So there's percentage of people that buy every single um, you know, like months or every like few months because they, they need more of it. It's more, more and more and more. So that is a second factor. Third, and that was specifically the uh, like readjustment that he he I, I talked to the broker that represents him, and he said, okay, so your job shipping now a lot of the people can go to like AliExpress dropship exactly the same product. So he guided him to create the licensing agreement with his supplier, with the factory that supplies him the products. Okay, so we have the arrangement. We are, you know, we have nothing. Like you, you can sell products under a brand. Everything is kind of like on paper. Everything looks legitimate. So for the buyer who buys this business, I mean, they can just take over and they, they can have peace of mind that like tomorrow maybe factory like decides, hey, we don't want this seller, you know, selling our product anymore. Let's shut him down. So that was the uh, third factor. And fourth is, um, you know, he reached out to me like one month ago. He was preparing business for sale. Every, every process um, in this business like was documented. Like, okay, so how, do you, how, does, how did he manage the ads on a daily basis? Okay, how he communicates with supplier, how he does uh, his like video editing, how he sources the content for his ads, how he manages the website, what kind of like, things he changes on the website from time to time. So kind of like all of those things he has streamlined. Um, and the, the interesting thing about this business, do you know how many employees uh, this guy has? Can I guess? Yeah, I guess. 16. One. I, okay, all right. You, you were close, you were close. <laughs> yeah, it could, could have been a lot further off, so yeah. Like one employee, so he has like one person, I think in like India or Pakistan, and the person helps him with like video editing, some some other probably customer support, um, and that is this is it. And he has a supplier, so he works with his supplier. He has his um, client, um, you know, kind of like that that support person that that helps him out. And this is it. So over in terms of overhead, like margins are like extremely high, and he would ma he manages all of his ads. He uses the email marketing agency. So I recommended like the email marketing agency that he's using uh, that generates extra sales for him on the back end of his business. And pretty much, you know, that is like very like simple example. So it's kind of like, like it's a, it's, it's a brand in a way it's a brand, but it's like drop shipping kind of like, you know, so it's kind of like a hybrid. So this is how I see it. If you do it right, you can build something sellable. Maybe it will not have like a, some crazy, crazy multiple, like some of these businesses sell for it, but you can still get a two, three X multiple in profit on such business, which could mean a pretty significant exit. So great answer. Uh, I have to remember to say that more often because people say great question and I'm always thankful, but I never say great answer. So customer satisfaction, um, repeat purchase, ease of transition and documentation. I, I wrote them down, just wanted to make sure, right? Those four? Yeah, three, um, what was the three? Licensing agreement. If you drop shipping, make sure you have the licensing agreement. Or if that's your brand, that's trademarks and patents. Okay, you have you're selling the business now. 
someone comes tomorrow, like they have big budgets, they launch a product in your category, they read like all of your landing pages, they read all of your ads, they just like scale that product, they push you out of auctions, you're out of business. So if, 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 if buyer is, is you know, considering business, like those are the things that go through his mind, like, can I lose money on this transaction? What is the risk I'm taking here? By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version 3 has been released and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. So we, we, so we talked about what is ready for the exit, and a lot of this is... These are things that really sound like the you would want to have this like even from day one, especially documentation early on, um, right from the beginning. Start to document. Oh, this is these are my costs. These are the tasks, and so on. Would you say that there are that these four factors are the most significant ones in scaling a business from five to six, six to seven, seven to eight, and so on? Or along the way, to be fair, you know, customer satisfaction, I think it covers a lot of it. But along the way, does anything else stick out as some of the key pillars to make it to the exit? 100%. I mean, I think there are different, different kind of like, um, there, there are different things required from like just like jump starting the business from zero versus things that are required kind of like making the business sellable. Because, for example, these things that we have just covered. Um, so my, 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 my client, my student, like he, he didn't have those. He created those within like two, three months. And he didn't have them in the first place when he created the business. But what he had was, okay, so product market fit, right? Like, so I don't know if you know this story about like PayPal when they first started. So now it's like extremely successful company. Like Elon Musk is a like genius, right? Like everyone's like worshiping him. I think I might know the story. I think I think at, at first, PayPal, they didn't have very much activity, so they were paying people to use it. Yes, and they also would go like very broad, like kind of like who can use a PayPal? Oh, everyone can use it. Everyone like it's for everyone. But then they figured out the eBay power sellers, like they would make a button, like they some custom coded that button PayPal and put it in their website. And they would see like, Build those people and they would process it. They would process a lot of transactions. Like they would analyze the data. They'll see, geez, we probably need to just like scrap everything out, just focus on this specific segment because this is product market fit. It solved the real problem. People would buy because they see something on, on uh, you know, on eBay listing. And this is how they started to get traction. So product market fit. And um, so it applies to both like brands. You know, that's why, for example, what we just touched on earlier, like making like $100,000 worth of like tremendously, like beautiful packaging, shipping from United States, fast shipping, tremendous experience, like, and product that like you put it, you put a new list, like on Amazon, you put like on, on Facebook ads and it doesn't sell, right? Because there's no product market fit. So everything that we think as entrepreneurs like, doesn't matter. We might have our own like, oh, this would sell, this would sell, or you know, sometimes I would think that like, this ad would, would would work very well. It doesn't matter. Our opinions don't matter. We are just like irrelevant because what matters is what people think, what people would buy, what people would pay for. I had a conversation just before this one uh, today with um, David Lexilato. He's he works with DFO Global, 
it's a big conglomerate. Um, like they, they run multiple multiple offers, uh, like 150 to 200 million dollars in revenue. Like humongous, my favorite company. And he shared with me, you know that uh, you know the, the offers that they run. Also, you know some of the offers like they, they don't work. You know some of the offers like you might have their opinions. Uh, okay, this offer would work, but you know some offers just work a lot better than others. Some some funnels that they have, some pages they would have, like it would look ugly, you know, and like oh, visually they're not as attractive, but they would convert like crazy, you know. And so I think that's what a lot of uh, a lot of the times entrepreneurs kind of like miss that they focus on something that looks beautiful, but something that looks beautiful doesn't mean it will sell. And sometimes you know people would invest like five, ten, twenty thousand dollars into like custom. Like websites, you guys have a tremendous team. Like, I mean, they're probably you. You see the probably the data like behind your sellers. They're probably people like doing like eight, nine figures. Which, even with a team, your team is quite simple to use, quite simplistic, but it's conversion optimized. It's optimized for the result, and this is the only thing that matters at the end of the day. It's not your branding. It's not your colors. It's not like how beautiful it looks, but how it actually sells. So, um, what was the question? Oh, I was just uh, clarifying is, uh, so it was initially about what are the factors that a business should prepare for for exit, but then what are some factors that stick out along the way? And uh, you, you mentioned quite a few. 100%. Yeah. So it's like product market fit in the first place. Where's the product sells? Whether there is a big pain that product sold because big pain, in like, for example, like millions of people sort of struggle, like, or not struggle, but suffer from like, um, excessive weight, right? They want to lose weight. Um, those are people who want to exercise more efficiently, faster because they don't have time for the gym. So you have the Peloton, you have the mirror, you have all of these different things. You have massive businesses that are created just out of that one opportunity because people don't want to be socially exposed. So whenever there is a problem, there is a solution, right? And entrepreneurs selling the solution. You, you're selling dropshipping product, you're selling the solution. And the way I think about it is, Problems pretty much remain the same. People want to be, people want to look good. People want to feel good. Um, in in entrepreneur, like in training, like people want to make money, right? So this is one of the problems that we solve. Um, and pretty much what people want to live longer. Um, and so like there are a few kind of like core problems that are just existing, right? There have been like many people selling, you know, the posture characters, right? That problem like didn't go anywhere. So DFO, like if you will research, um, there is this product called Upright Go, Upright Go that they're selling. It's on Amazon. It's everywhere. It's very talking about the posture corrector. Yeah, it's yeah, like I tried a, one. You have it? Well, it's gone now because it was the one I got is like a harness, and it's all Velcro based. And um, well, I mean, my 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 posture is pretty bad. Like one of my defensive techniques is to turn to my side, and then a punch would go right past me. So I was in a pretty bad situation, but. The, the problem with the Velcro was that it didn't hold. The tension was too much, and then it kept snapping off. So I said, all right, you know what, back to plan A, which is uh, willpower. So yeah, it's, you know, exactly. you fight, what do you do, martial arts? Um, no, I mean, I've taken some, some classes when I was a kid, but like, no, that's just, that's just, uh, that's, that's just my, uh, uh, my, my self-deprecating sense of humor. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So the, so basically, I mean, they have this like, so problem is the same. Problem is bad posture, right? How's it solved? It's solved like not with this kind of like hardness, which is, I mean, some people like it, some people don't. 
and it was this like beautiful, like it looks like an Apple device. It's like it's like white, it's good looking, right? And it's so it's shiny object. It's like oh, finally, that's a solution, right? So people are always looking for the shiny object. So you have the existing problem. If you can resolve that problem, so the problem with the dropshipping models, like pretty much people kind of like choose from the same pool of products. What we do differently is that uh, we are reaching out to our suppliers and we're asking, hey, um, here's this product. Do you have like newer variations of that product? Newer. Maybe it's looking like, so everyone is selling like, let's say black, black, you know, kind of like device. We would sell white. We'll sell like red, we'll sell like pink, we'll sell, you know, whatever color we'll sell. And they would ask, we would ask them. And then we would just like put some ads on, we'll just put some stock images and we would see if that will sell. If that will sell, we just refund all of the orders and we would start like ordering the product and actually selling it. But we'll try to find the new solution to the old problem. And this is exactly what you need kind of like to, to go from that like initial level because you might just go like and just, okay, so someone is successful with these ads. Let me just like copy the product, copy the landing pages, copy like all of this stuff. The problem with that is like, that's the same thing that like other like thousand people are doing. And so you're placing the ads targeting the same audiences. You copy pretty much the same content from YouTube and there is no like differentiating point for any of that. So most likely, you know, most of the cases it doesn't work. Where it does work is like, where you have some differentiating points, whether that is a good product. Um, sometimes just with your ads, product might be very similar, but your ads are different. With your funnel, your conversion mechanism is different. Um, but those are kind of like more advanced things that um, we use, for example, in our business. I think they're not like, they're not for everyone. But in, even in the first place, we have some, some people in our program, some students that have very, very basic websites. And um, I just had a conversation um, and that's exactly, that's also like one of our guys, um, he works with a company called Audi. If you're familiar, like a Australian company, extremely successful. They're selling this like blanket, kind of like blanket that you can put on yourself and you can- Oh, oh yeah, I've seen those. Um, I think, I think they're pronounced Udi. Um, Udi yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's a, it's like a, it's like a cloak blanket where you just- Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that company, for example, he, he told me like their like team, their website is um, debut team. So not even like your guys, like your guys like pay team, like it's more advanced, more sophisticated. It is debut. It's like it's like free team um, that anyone can get, right? But because their products are different, their content is different. Their content is unique. There's a lot of UGC. They're they're killing it. So those are kind of like the things you know, kind of like thinking differently. I think those things would help you to go from like, like just build a business with that great foundation. And I'm not even thinking like six figure level because if you do something like that, if you do it right, that's like as minimum as, as a, has a seven figure potential. You know, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing to, to think that, I don't know what it is and I should really get this thought out of my head, but the idea of a product with that kind of international renown is a shop, is like on a Shopify, let, let alone what, what theme is using. Just the the idea that it's a Shopify thing, and I and I don't know if I'm alone in this, um, or if there's like a stigma attached to the I guess the limitations people expect from a Shopify store. So it's just it's just fascinating to think like you know I walked into a Canadian Tire, it's a store here, not 
there's people all over the world. I should really clarify. It's the name of a store. I didn't just walk into a tire, at least not lately. But, you know, that's, it's a product in a superstore and it's available and you, and, and you see it in the boxes. And it's just amazing to be able to create a connection between that and a tool that everybody has access to right here, right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think like kind of like internet and e-commerce and all of these platforms just kind of like lowered the barrier like so low that it's like you can just like start your business like today, like like yesterday. Like, I mean, it, it's so it's so easy. Like all of the barriers are gone. The only barrier is kind of like it's just like our imagination. Um, it's kind of like, okay, so we are getting into this pool. We have this opportunity as much as like millions of other people that the question is, how do we differentiate? This was a question that um, uh, uh, chambered in my mind based on your, your last answer. And it's about how, you know, the entrepreneur really has to ask, what does the customer want? What is the customer trying to, uh, what problems, problems they're trying to solve? And, it, and fundamentals, it's about looking good, feeling good, living uh, longer, if not achieving total immortality, which, you know, one step at a time, people. And and I think what's kind of a challenge is that me, you know, technically as an entrepreneur myself, technically, I buy things too. I'm a consumer. So what is it about, this is a speculative question, but what is it about the entrepreneur's mindset where they can't trust their own buying habits and their own position as a consumer and has to, has to trust the position of other consumers. I think sometimes it's, I, I think that's also like from my side, that's, I think that's prejudice. Like I think it's like, yeah, like only consumers, but like sometimes we have that feeling for what works. Sometimes like you have a painful problem that you face in yourself and you solve the problem and then you figure out that other people, you know, also have the problem. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, it comes down to the consumers. It comes down to like what they actually want and what options they have available to them. Right. Like, uh, I think it was in the Mark Cuban book. He said, um, you know, there was like Yahoo and it was Google. And I think Yahoo either like, um, rejected like to buy Google or something like that. They had the opportunity to buy it. They didn't want it. Like, so it's kind of like it was different dynamic. Like, I don't know, 20 years ago or so. So Yahoo was like here, Google was here, just starting off. But like Google, since then, you know, they focused on the consumer. What's easier for the, for the consumer? So Yahoo made, was making like everything so complicated, so sophisticated. Google made a single search bar, like simplified everything in terms of the search, um, made a very like good kind of like search algorithm that would show like very relevant websites. And he said like Yahoo, um, kind of like the abbreviation means you always have other options. So he, he said that in his book, and it makes a lot of sense. You always have other options, right? You know, like at Yahoo, you go to Google, right? And, and that's what happened. People went to Google and Yahoo is like, I don't know where it is. It may be in Japan, very popular in Japan, some smaller markets. Yeah, like I haven't uh, used uh, uh, Yahoo since they uh, had season six of Communities TV show from about ten years ago. And 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 one thing that stuck out to me as you're describing the difference between these two is you know Google as a utility versus Yahoo. I think is more of like a, a lifestyle hub where you go onto Yahoo and there's and there's news and there's articles and there is a search bar, but it the 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 seconds it's only seconds, but the seconds between going to the Google, entering it, and getting right away. 
because I'm in the intention phase right now. I'm not looking for discovery. I'm looking to find exactly what it is I'm looking for. So yeah, I never thought about that before. I think some Russian. So I'm I'm from Ukraine originally, and I'm using some like Russian browsers from time to time. I have the mailbox there, and I, I think they're more similar to uh, Yahoo. Uh, they're called like Yandex, Mail.ru. Like they're more similar to uh, Yahoo, I guess, in that respect, because it's kind of like they give you like a lot of options. You can go to your mailbox, but you can also see all of these news and all of these like different tabs. Um, but it's working for that particular market. I think for markets like United States, probably people are more compelled with kind of like simplified process of finding exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's, uh, that makes a great deal of sense. Now, with that, I think we're just about to run out of time with you because I know you got to go. So we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap this one up. Um, it, it has been a fantastic conversation, by the way. I I wrote down a ton of notes, just the stuff that I want to take away and uh, keep in the in the back of my mind. So to our to our audience, I think one thing we want to make sure that they're aware of is the e-commerce scaling um, This is a, a a brief video that shows them some of the basics of you know how to I think how to set up a funnel. Full disclosure, yeah. I didn't see the video in time, but just let us know briefly about this. I think this is going to be a really good starting point for our audience. And then take it from there. Let the audience know how else they can find out what you do and what you're up to. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank for, you. for allowing me to plug in. I mean, I think, you know, we, we can help from your audience. Um, and especially, you know, as I mentioned, like people like six, seven figure level want to take their success to the next level utilizing you know your team and you know the resources that you guys provide as well uh, from your side um so we i have like youtube channel it's called alex Paratov. it's the same as my name and um yeah we have we have like good people in our audience um typically more kind of like advanced videos more sophisticated um then uh, i have yeah e-commerce scaling secrets so this is where we show the one of the things that differentiates uh, what we do uh, is we do funnels, more like kind of like funnel concept. We haven't touched that a lot. Probably need to connect again <laughs> sometime soon. Like so, but it's basically we want to kind of like guide people through this through the process where we are. Um, so we typically have the pre-sale pages, several pre-sale pages. We're building more value about the product. We typically sell products at the more expensive price than our competitors. Because we want to kind of like build more value about the product. We want to charge more. We want to make more from each transaction. Then we can afford to buy better quality products, ship it to customers, you know, afford the better customer experience and just have better margins at the end, right? That's why Apple is like, you know, has these like tremendous margins as a business and growth software because their margins are like ridiculous. So um, this is what we do. This is the final concept that video explains exactly how we do it and some people can copy it. Uh, they can book a call with our team if they want to. Uh, we'll connect and we'll see if we can help them anyway. It's not, so it's fine. So that's that's basically what it is. All right, fantastic. Once more, you have my sincere gratitude for, for taking the time uh, uh, with us today to, to chat and, and fill us uh, full of wisdom. A lot, a lot of knowledge I, I gained today, that's for sure. So with that, I say thank you. And to our audience, as always, it is an honor to collect and uh, provide this information to all of you. So I hope you make the best of it. You know what to do from here on. So take care. And we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next. <laughs>